0: Welcome in to OutKick the Show. I am your fearless leader, Clay Travis. I hope all of you are having fantastic Wednesdays. I had to think there for a minute, remind myself of what day it was. Uh, we got another big trade in the NFL yesterday brought you news that Aaron Rodgers was staying with Green Bay and that Russell Wilson was headed to the Broncos. I'll break down those stories a little bit with you as well within the context of this one, but. News is out there. Carson Wentz is being traded from the Indianapolis Colts to the Washington Commanders. Remember, they are now called the Commanders. Uh, Here is what is a part of the trade. The Colts get a third-round pick this year. A third-round pick can become a second if Carson Wentz plays uh, next year. And a 2022 second-round pick Washington Commanders get Carson Wentz. They get a 2022 second round pick. Big part here as well. Carson Wentz will make $28 million. He will make the final uh, year of his contract come to fruition. He is an unrestricted free agent, I believe, after this year. And so Washington is gambling that they can fix him. Uh, That is what the decision is being made in Washington. Now... Look, the reality is, this is a uh, big-time, I believe, big-time bet by Washington that if you look in the NFC East and the NFC in general, let's be honest, you've got Carson Wentz now in Washington. You have got Jalen Hurts in Philly. And by the way, Carson Wentz playing against the Eagles twice will be a heck of a story. You've got Dak down in Dallas, and you've got Daniel Jones in New York. I'm going to talk about this a little bit, but what you're seeing is some divisions are absolutely stacked at the quarterback position. I'm looking at you, AFC West. The AFC West now has got Russell Wilson. Uh, They have got uh, uh, Justin Herbert. They've got Derek Carr. And most importantly, they got Patrick Mahomes. All four of those guys, arguably, as good as everybody that is in the NFC East or, for instance, the AFC South, I'll talk about that a bit in a moment, the AFC South in the wake of uh, Carson Wentz being gone. Uh, But Washington felt like they had a good defense. Their defensive numbers were not very good last year. They were in year one with Ron Rivera, and now they're deciding to move on effectively from Taylor Heineke, although I feel like he and Carson Wentz are somewhat similar at the quarterback position. Biggest takeaway here is that the Colts end up Uh, getting out of the Carson Wentz contract and bailing on Carson Wentz after just one year. And if you are an Indianapolis Colts fan right now, they now have had five different quarterbacks over each of the last five years. Uh, In 2018, Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck surprisingly retires at the beginning of 2019 and they go with Jacoby Brissett for a year. Then they bring Phillip Rivers, from San Diego, L.A., uh, however you want to classify the Chargers location, to uh, to the Colts for a year. Then they go with Carson Wentz for a year. And now the rumor is, we'll see whether or not it's going to happen, that the Colts are going to make a run at Jimmy G. And this is the Spider-Man meme brought to life, I think. Uh, Jimmy G, although Granity's had more success in the postseason than Carson Wentz. Jimmy G pointing at Uh, Jimmy at Carson Wentz, both of them in the Spider-Man costume as the Colts go with another quarterback for a fifth year. That's presuming they end up able to go get uh, Jimmy G because otherwise, think about how weak the quarterback situation is in the AFC South right now. You have Trevor Lawrence. Okay. Okay numbers. His rookie season. We'll see whether he takes that big step in year two or whether there's cause for concern in Jacksonville, okay? Carson Wentz, uh, out, clearly the second most accomplished quarterback in the AFC South. He now has been replaced by, theoretically, unless they make a new move, Sam Ellinger, okay? So Sam Ellinger right now, if the season were beginning now, would be presumably the Colts quarterback for the start of the season. Down in uh, Houston, I'm gonna talk about Deshaun Watson in a moment, but down in Houston, you now would have Davis Mills, and then you've got Ryan Tannehill. I'm a Titans fan, clearly. How bad of a collection of quarterbacks does the AFC South have compared to, for instance, the AFC West? AFC West, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Derek Carr, and Russell Wilson. Arguably, and I don't even think that's that tough of an argument right now, all four quarterbacks in the AFC West are better than any quarterback in the AFC South. And I think you have to say that even though Ryan Tannehill is not very good, he is the best of a bad collection of potential starting quarterbacks in the AFC South. And that's why I believe the Titans have to be a fairly decent favorite to win their division. Now, I'm not confident that Ryan Tannehill is going to be able to win very many games when we actually get into, uh, the, uh, into the playoffs, assuming that the Titans are able to get there. You saw what happened in the playoffs, even with the overall one seed. Uh, but I do think looking at some of these divisions and breaking it down, uh, even the Colts without a quarterback right now are plus 145, which suggests there's not very much value being put on who the starting quarterback is. Uh, And the Titans are basically even money uh, to go out and win the AFC South this year uh, at plus 105. I'm looking at the FanDuel numbers as we speak right now. And if you're curious what the Super Bowl odds are right now, uh, we've got a new favorite uh, in the clubhouse to win the Super Bowl this year. And don't get nervous, too nervous, Buffalo Bill fans. You are now the favorite. Followed by the Green Bay Packers, Kansas City Chiefs. Then you got the Rams. The Broncos have surged all the way up to 12-1. to 1 Now that they have Russell Wilson, they are the fifth overall favorite to win the Super Bowl. Uh, and there are a lot of other teams with big numbers out there. But interestingly, the Titans and the Colts are around the same place right around 24-25-1 uh, as we break down things. The Washington Commanders, by the way, 55-1. to 1. Uh, even with the move that they've made today to go get Carson Wentz. Uh, So we'll see what happens with the Colts. Obviously a very talented team outside of the quarterback position. There don't seem to be a lot of available quarterbacks here now other than Jimmy G. Doesn't seem to be a lot of excitement uh, for the available potential first-round quarterbacks, whether it's Kenny Pickett, whether it is uh, Malik Willis, uh, whether it is uh, a guy that I think is going to be pretty good, Matt Corral, none of those guys seem to be exciting a great deal of of joy in the draft-eligible teams. We'll see whether maybe the Colts really like one of those guys and they're potentially going to make a run there. I talked some yesterday about this, but I want to circle back around on the Russell Wilson trade from Seattle to Denver. And if you're a Bronco fan right now and you are watching this, I love the move. I absolutely love the move. And there was some talk yesterday, I saw it, oh, is this a Herschel Walker situation because uh, the Seahawks potentially get eight different players and uh, and, and it's giving up a lot for an aging guy, 33-year-old Russell Wilson? No. If you end up with the right quarterback and you get him for four or five years, which I think it's very confident, I'm very confident that, presuming he doesn't have some devastating injury, that Russell Wilson will be playing for the next four or five years, been very durable by and large, that if you get him for the next four or five years, it's impossible to give up too much. Let me give you an example. Remember several years ago, when Mike Ditka gave up his entire draft, it might have been 20 years ago now, for Ricky Williams with the New Orleans Saints. And that was a disastrous move. And certainly we all know the story of the Dallas Cowboys trading Herschel Walker to the Minnesota Vikings and getting back so many other picks. They are able to go get Troy Aikman and Michael Irvin and Emmitt Smith and put together that dynasty that they had down in Dallas back when the Cowboys actually won Super Bowls. And what's intriguing about this is if you get the right quarterback, there's no way you can overpay. Let me give you an example. I sometimes would talk about this on my sports show uh, back in the day. The Tennessee Titans moved to Nashville in 1998, I believe, ish, 97, whatever it was. I think it was 97. Uh, And if the Titans in the year that they had moved to Nashville, had made the decision, even though they had Steve McNair, and I loved watching Steve McNair play, and he was a fantastic quarterback. But if the Titans, when the Colts had the overall number one pick, if they had said, we will give you virtually whatever it takes for the number one pick, and they had gone and gotten Peyton Manning, whatever they gave up for Peyton Manning would have been worth it. Because if you get a stud quarterback who is capable of winning a Super Bowl for you, it is almost impossible for you to give up too much. If anything, if you are able to get a top 10 quarterback, certainly if you're able to get a top five quarterback, and Russell Wilson at times has looked like a top five quarterback, I think it's fair to still call him a top 10 quarterback, even with what I think we could all agree was not a perfect offensive system for him in Seattle the past several years. If you are able to go get that guy, there is almost no price you can pay that is too much. And so I love this move by the Broncos because if you look at the rest of the Broncos roster, it appears to me that they are a quarterback away and now they've got their quarterback. Now, the challenge is the Broncos' division because it's going to be hard when you have to play the Chargers twice with Justin Herbert, believe it or not, when you have to play the Raiders twice with Derek Carr, and when you have to play the, uh, the Chiefs twice with Patrick Mahomes. That's six games. That's not going to be easy. You split there, you feel like you did a decent job. I guarantee you the Broncos would take 4-2 and two in the division in a heartbeat right now. And what I wonder when I look at that division is could Derek Carr be on the trading block for the Raiders? Because they look around right now and say, boy, our chances, even though we're coming off the playoffs, of being able to beat Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, and now Russell Wilson feel really low relative to the strength of this division right now. Do we need, given all the chaos that we've seen off the field for the Vegas Raiders, Do we need to go back to the drawing board and start building for three or four years from now as opposed to try to compete right now? I like Derek Carr. I think Derek Carr could make a lot of sense on a team like the Colts. I think he could fit in there pretty well. I think Derek Carr could make a lot of sense for teams that think they are within a decent quarterback away of making a playoff run. I know Derek Carr has never won a playoff game. I understand that. But I wonder, given how strong the AFC West is, I mean, if you look around the rest of the league, I mean, the AFC East, Mac Jones, we don't know about. Josh Allen, sold on, right? Uh, If you look at Tua, does anybody feel that confident in Tua? I mean, there are a lot of divisions where if you plug Derek Carr in, you would feel like you had a chance to win that division. Let me give you an example. The Saints plug in Derek Carr. I know they're losing... Uh, Sean Payton but do you feel like you have a better chance to win that division with a healthy Derek Carr than you do with a healthy Jameis Winston I do we also don't know what's going to end up happening with Marcus Mariota who's one of the highest paid backups in the league does he have another run in him I love Marcus Mariota think he's a really good dude I just think there's still a bunch of different moving parts here getting ready to take on spring And right after that, we'll continue the discussion. But first, a momentary break. Speaking of moving parts, how about the Houston Texans and what's going on right now with Deshaun Watson? Reports are that Deshaun Watson is going to have the charges that were brought against him by all the women who had alleged criminal sexual assault that those women are testifying in front of the grand jury on Friday. And that potentially, in the next few days, we could know whether or not Deshaun Watson stands trial and is going to be charged with criminal sexual assault. There's been a lot of discussion about whether the Seahawks may make a move uh, for Deshaun Watson. There are a lot of different teams that could be interested still in Deshaun Watson if he did not have these charges, criminal in nature, potentially hanging over his head. But man, a grand jury is a serious uh, situation here. With all of this going on, with all of these women alleging criminal sexual assault, what is the grand jury going to determine? Are they going to hand down any charges in Harris County, which is Houston, from the district attorney? And how quickly could that change things when Deshaun Watson is potentially scheduled to make $40 million this year? Remember, they just set him out all last year and paid him $10 million. No suspensions, no consequences for any of these allegations. And now, I wonder, as I look at these allegations, will we see any criminal charges or not? This is a story that would have me terrified if I were Deshaun Watson. He can't testify in any of the civil cases now either. I'm stunned that Deshaun Watson did not settle these civil cases before the criminal charges got brought against him. I just can't believe when you consider that he has several hundred million dollars to make potentially as a quarterback in his future that he could find himself in this situation at all is kind of crazy. Got a great story up for you uh, today at OutKick. I want to give credit uh, to, uh, we got a lot of really talented writers that are doing great work every single day if you're not already checking them out at OutKick, uh, we've got a really good story up about the 1992 SEC Championship game and what went down. For those of you who haven't seen this video, it's linked and it's up on the site. uh, When Carlos Groves, who was an undersized big man for the University of Tennessee back in the day, got into a, a, a scuffle, a brawl, however you want to classify it, was Shaquille O'Neal. Tennessee against LSU 30 years ago, 1992 SEC championship game. Uh, Glenn Gilbo did a fantastic job. He's one of our writers at Outkick (coughs) telling the story of the 1992 SEC championship, uh, SEC tournament. And I used to love watching. Dale Brown was the coach, by the way, of uh, Allen Houston was playing for the University of Tennessee. I was 13 years old back in 1992. Loved watching all of uh, all of these uh, SEC tournaments. I've been to a bunch of them. I've watched a ton of them. And by the way, my University of Tennessee has never won the SEC basketball tournament. I'm 42 years old. I have watched for probably 37 years or so every moment of the SEC basketball championship. Never in my life has the University of Tennessee ever won. And by the way, They've been a high seed a lot. It's not like Tennessee basketball has been atrocious. In the last 20 years, Tennessee basketball, probably, it's a good argument, top what, four or five, certainly in the SEC. Kentucky, Tennessee, Florida, although Florida has been, I know, championship caliber several years, but up and down a lot. I mean, that's clearly the three best teams in the SEC. Arkansas hasn't been that good. They're trending back up now but for most of the 21st century, they've been in the mix to win it, never win it. Uh, So maybe this is the year, but it's a great piece about the 1992 SEC uh, tournament. Um, Jim Nance. So my eighth grade son, I've got an eighth grade son, fifth grade son, first grade son, 14, 11, and seven. Uh, And they have a father-son dinner every year at Montgomery Bell Academy, which is where my eighth grader goes. And I want to give credit to Jim Nance, who was absolutely phenomenal as the speaker at this event that I went to last night. Just extraordinary stories that he told. Jim Nance, by the way, has moved to the city of Nashville, uh, one of the all-time legendary sports broadcasters. But I've been and seen a lot of people speak over the years uh, on a variety of uh, topics, whether it's uh, sports, politics, Uh, history, media, you name it. I've been to a lot of public speaking events over the years. Jim Nance was as good in person, telling stories, uh, talking to all these kids, 7th through 12th grade kids and their dads, probably, I don't know, 1,500, 1,600 people there, as good as I have seen anybody be as a speaker. I need to get him on wins and losses, Jim Nance. Uh, and uh, and I, I just got to tell you, I was blown away. I mean, I've watched Jim Nance call every major CBS event, whether it's the Super Bowl, uh, whether it's the Masters, certainly the NCAA basketball tournament for a long time. And the stories that he told, the lessons that he was imparting to the kids, absolutely extraordinary. And uh, and I I, I got to tell you, I, I mean, I finished that and I said, man, I got to get Jim on. Wins and losses to tell some of the stories that he was sharing, and uh, and so I promise you I'm going to work on that. But if you haven't read Jim Nance's most recent book where he was pulling a lot of these stories out of, I went and bought the book as soon as we finished that. Uh, as soon as we finished that speaking engagement because he was so good. Uh, so I want to thank him for showing up, speaking at my son's school, and doing a phenomenal job. And finally, I want to finish with a uh, couple of other stories here. Uh, Did you see the story out of Saudi Arabia? According to the Wall Street Journal, Saudi Arabia refused to accept the phone call from Joe Biden uh, dealing with trying to get more uh, more oil. And if you wondered how much of a lack of respect Middle Eastern leaders show for Joe Biden, they wouldn't even take his phone call. It was both uh, United Arab Emirates and Saudi Arabia one of the ways that we could limit the overall price of gas uh, for many of you out there driving around in the United States is by getting Saudi Arabia or another Middle Eastern country, uh, maybe the UAE, to pump more gas, therefore producing more supply and hopefully limiting the cost of gallons of gas all over the country, not to mention heating oil and everything else. Um, And they refused to even take his call Uh, And if you'll remember, Biden came into office saying that they were going to put the adults back in uh, the room. I don't know about you, but I sure would love to be worried about some mean tweets about now, as opposed to a war in Europe, uh, hot new highs in many different places, and murder, 7.5% inflation, which is a high for many of you listening and watching this right now in your entire lives. uh, If you consider the overall impact of uh, what's going on at the border and also the Afghanistan disaster and now the war in Europe. It's all a mess and many of the countries in the world do not respect Joe Biden because I think they don't believe that he has control of his mental faculties and sadly, if you watch when he speaks, I think there's a lot of truth to, uh, to that flaw. Finally, uh, we got parachuting spiders uh, that are scheduled. Did you see this? It's like uh, spiders arriving in uh, the style of Red Dawn, I think is the, uh, is the way I described it. Giant Joro spiders. And I guess a lot of you down in the southeast, and Georgia and other places, already have these huge uh, uh, spiders. Specifically, they've really uh, taken over in Georgia. The expectation is that they are going to colonize the entire east coast this spring, parachuting down from the sky, according to researchers at the University of Georgia. So if you, and these are giant spiders, they say they're the size of a kid's hand. So they're from Japan. Uh, So if you thought, hey, it feels like we are living in the middle of strange times, maybe even the end times, if you thought that that was maybe going on right now, uh, that everything had gone insane, uh, it is Pretty wild to even think about some of the different stories that continue to go viral every single day. Uh, I do not believe I will be on tomorrow for Outkick the Show. Maybe I will. Uh, I'm scheduled to fly down to Florida. I'm going to be down in Florida uh, for about a week. And then I'm headed out to Las Vegas for the opening rounds of the NCAA tournament. So I'll be on the road for much of the next 10 days. But I appreciate all of you. DBAP, unless you need to SBAP. Maybe I'll do a show tomorrow. Timing could be tight. Uh, but if not, I'll be back eventually uh, from, uh, from Florida and then from Vegas. Hope all of you have fantastic weeks. If I don't talk to you on this show, I will be on Clay and Buck uh, throughout the week. So you don't have to worry about that if you're listening to the radio show, but just not going to necessarily be home uh, in the Nashville area uh, for the next 10 days or so. DBAP, unless you need to SBAP. I am Clay Travis, and this has been OutKick, the show.